1: I will call upon you to do a service
0: for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome
1: to the family.
2: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers and callers do not necessarily reflect the views
1: and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. <laughs>
3: They can do what the they want you to. We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be
4: anywhere. But when I
3: leave, you remember I said with the last words on my lips, I am.
0: revolution comes with a price tag. You were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have. Told you turn the other cheek and they made it with a bat. Fuck them protesting them sin Told you go fight in the war. Vietnam, you died riddance. That man of the house rule took you from your siblings. Turned around a contract right up in your city and they turned all your leaders to martyrs. You was off in the war, now who was guarding your daughters? It was riots in the streets. killed Malcolm and Martin. Called a National Guard up because we ride what I got up and I was building your guard up. Second Amendment on the apply of you, everything that they taught you was a lie. To you, see they scared of your skin and they in a
4: shoot. Take the
5: American dream and then you die to pursue. One day it'll all make
4: sense. We're about power, that it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when so you live in madness. The so one that you figure out that all you gotta live. Peace, love and the middle finger, right on. Peace, love and the middle finger, right on. Peace, love and the middle finger, right on. Peace, love and the middle finger.
2: Good afternoon, you are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. This is Black Talk Radio News and my name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines known as USA Inc. Today's date is July 16th, 2015. It is a Thursday afternoon. I hope that my voice finds you well, finds you safe and sound behind these enemy lines. It's, it's difficult. I understand that, to find safe zones, but, you know, we do what we can. Um, Today we have a guest scheduled for you today, uh, in-house family member, uh, Black Talk Radio Network's own, Max Parthis will be joining us here at about 4.10 p.m. on the East Coast. He is, of course, the co-host and co-producer of New Abolitionist Radio, which is heard right here on Black Talk Radio Network every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And Max, for those who don't know, uh, lives in South Carolina. Uh, Actually, he lived not even a mile away from where the terrorists, the white terrorists, Dylan Roof, who ran up in the church and gunned down innocent people. Max lived uh, less than a mile away from him in South Carolina. And uh, Max will be coming on to discuss the upcoming KKK rally. That is supposed to go down this Saturday on the 18th. Today's the 16th, so we're less than 48 hours away from that rally. That the, what's the name of this group? The Loyal White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, which is a North Carolina based group up here where I live. Although I think they are based somewhere near the Virginia uh, border and not near the South Carolina border, but North Carolina at one time. It was reported had the largest Klan membership of any state in the United States, more than Alabama, more than Mississippi, more than Florida, more than Texas, more than South Carolina, more than Georgia. No, North Carolina had that distinction of having the most due paying members of the Ku Klux Klan. All right. And so maybe they trying to make a comeback. I don't know. But he's coming on to discuss that rally as well as the counter rally that he will be participating in as well as various groups. I heard the New Black Panther Party um, organization is supposed to be out there as well as the Huey Newton Gun Club. Um, I've heard they are traveling there um, as well as there are some religious organizations that also plan to counter demonstrate with a prayer vigil. So Max will be coming on to talk about that and give you more information about it. But also what I want to discuss with him today and bring to your attention, ever since Ferguson went down uh, and the Department of Justice did their little report on what was going on in Ferguson. And we went over that report on New Abolitionist Radio or as individual activists in debt, we went over that report. and. We started talking about, well, how come none of these people, like the city manager of Ferguson, the police chief and others who were running this scheme to just ticket black people, all right, uh, get them tickets, throw them in jail, uh, shuffle them around in the different jails in St. Louis County, all to bring in revenue. I think they were bringing in something like $3 million annually into Ferguson. And so we started looking at these crimes and we felt like the RICO laws would apply to them, right? And so those who are not familiar with the uh, RICO laws, that is a law that the United States government, the federal government uses to go after organized criminals, right? You know, usually those sort of charges are reserved for like the mafia, um, I think it's, it's the, uh, first time those laws were used targeting the mafia, but certainly, you know, they have been applied to other organizations. And so we felt like, you know, these are RICO violations. These are organized criminals, organized, okay, to, to rob people, to rob people, to extort money from them. And so we have been talking about how, you know, We need to find some attorneys. We need to be pushing for prosecution of these people under RICO laws where we feel like we can prove a strong case. Well, this morning, as I was just going through my emails and planning for today's show, I came across an article that discusses this organization. And I I don't even know the name of the organization right now. And I'll pull that up later once we talk to Max. But this organization sued Uh, legal cannabis businesses, several legal cannabis businesses, and uh, other businesses that did business with those legal cannabis businesses in Colorado and Washington, and they sued them under RICO laws. So I did not know, nobody told me, that organizations or individuals can use RICO laws to sue people, to sue people cities to sue police departments and so we want to take a look at that and perhaps this is something we need to study uh why i don't agree with their use of rico because in in those states they have legalized cannabis there shouldn't nobody be getting locked up because you don't like them smoking cannabis damn it come off of your high horse put down the beer put down the wine coolers Yeah. Put down that carton of wine you got from the grocery store and stop trying to judge people. All right. So we don't agree with their use of RICO, but we find it to be very enlightening that people outside of prosecutors can use RICO to go after businesses and organizations. And and maybe that's something that the NAACP Legal Defense Fund needs to be doing. I don't know. I don't know, but somebody needs to do something because these crimes are just going unpunished, unprosecuted, and, you know, if we don't fight back against them, well, damn, we're just going to keep getting the same old thing over and over, same old thing, same old extortion, same old brutality, same old slavery. So, yeah, we're looking forward to talking to Max here in just a bit about those things. Uh, Also, um, another thing that we would like to, well, in the news, what I'll be talking about later, uh, two Confederate monuments were defaced in Charlotte, North Carolina over the past 48 hours. Now, one of these Confederate monuments looks like a tombstone, and it it was praising Confederate soldiers for upholding, and I quote, Anglo-Saxon civilization of the South. Now, that is just so ridiculous because every Confederate soldier was not an Englishman. They were not descendants of people from England. Many of them were Jews. Many of them also were were Irish. You know, other white people, different classifications of, of white people. They had different nationalities, All every last single one of them. Was not Anglo-Saxon. I don't even think these people knew what Anglo-Saxon really meant, or what it was, what group of people it was referring to. But thumbs up to the people that deface it. If they clean it up, go ahead and deface it again. All right, that's how I feel about it. Anyway, uh, investigators are looking into the death of 28-year-old Sandra Bland. Uh, her story has been going viral she had just moved to naperville texas to start a new job and um she died she she was found dead in a jail cell under very suspicious circumstances and they're trying to say that the sister committed suicide but a lot of people aren't buying that and one person on facebook i came across a status this morning she said that she has had to study suicide since her twin sister took her life And she's trying to understand that and perhaps going through some therapy or whatnot. Um, But she says the story given by authorities make no sense whatsoever, Um, that this woman did not show any kind of signs typical with those who who kill themselves. And so we'll discuss that as well. Um, Two Cleveland police supervisors were disciplined for failing to do a background check on the killer cop gunned down 12 year old Tamir Rice as we have reported on this network that this guy should have never even been hired by the Cleveland Police Department given his poor uh, record of performance at the Independence Police Department that little small town where you know they were saying this guy shouldn't even have a gun but You know, these two Cleveland police supervisors had no problem of hiring this dude. And in fact, they didn't even do a background check. And so they weren't fired. They were just disciplined. I think one got suspended for a couple of days, probably paid. And the other one, he just got a written letter of reprimand in his jacket. So, you know, nothing serious there. Uh, Also, if we have time, I will go over some of the past week's corrupt cop news news. And as always, if, if you think that Black Talk Radio Network and the work of Black Talk Media Project is important and you would like to see us not only continue our efforts, but to expand upon our efforts, please support us by making a donation today. You can make a donation via P- PayPal buttons on the website. Uh, also, you can mail them in. It's our physical mailing address for the Black Talk Media Project is on the about page on blacktalkradionetwork.com. Uh, let's see here. We should have heard from, uh, Max by now. I don't understand why he hasn't called in. So, what I'm gonna do is take a message music break and make sure nothing has happened and we can get Max on to discuss this, um important information. All right. Do you listen to Black Talk Radio
1: News? Stay tuned. We see our people being brutalized by white. White racists uh, We think that they are foolish to allow themselves to be beaten and brutalized and do nothing whatsoever to protect themselves. They are foolish and they should have the right to, do, to defend themselves against any attack made against them by anyone. If a dog is fighting a black man, the black man should kill the dog. Whether the dog is a police dog, a hound dog, or any kind of dog. If a dog is fixed on a black man, when that black man is doing nothing but trying to uh, take advantage of what the government says it's supposed to be, is, then that black man should kill that dog or any two-legged dog, two-legged dog, two-legged dog. that there will come a time when black people wake up and become intellectually independent enough to think for themselves as other humans are intellectually independent enough to think for themselves then the black man will think like a black man and he will feel for other black people and this new thinking and feeling will cause black people to stick together. And then at that point, you'll have a situation where when you attack one black man, you are attacking all black men. And this type of black thinking will cause all black people to stick together. And this type of thinking also will bring an end to the brutality inflicted upon black people by white people. And it is the only thing that will bring an end to it. No federal court, state court, or city court will bring an end to it. It's something that the black man has to bring an end to, has to bring an end to, has to bring an
2: end to. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Uh, We're unable to reach Max at this time. Perhaps he is in a location that uh, he's unable to call in, but of course the program must go on. So I'm going to let you listen to this um, news clip about these races that are going down there to South Carolina from North Carolina, uh, to rally around that missing flag because the flag gone. I mean, the flagpole isn't even there as I looked at some pictures today. So, I mean, all it is is a empty piece of, uh, concrete <laughs> <a> plot. <laughs> so they won't be able to, rally. I'm sure they'll bring their own flags though. Uh, so anyway, this is a, a report that came out about the KKK rally and um, the other rallies.
6: The fight over the Confederate battle flag at the Statehouse might have an encore in a few days, and that means another major effort by law enforcement. Jack Kenzie joins us from the Statehouse. Jack? Charles and Judy, the flag is gone, but it is not forgotten, not as long as we have members of this Klan group based in Pelham, North Carolina, coming down here on Saturday. We can assume that at least some members of that group will be wearing their Klan outfits, but they will have to show their faces. Members of the North Carolina-based loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan can wear their full hoods standing in a field, as they did when they spoke to us last week, but they won't be able to do that on the State House grounds this Saturday. State law prohibits anyone over the age of 16 from wearing masks and the like on public property. Paperwork filed with the State Department of Administration indicates this Klan subset expects as many as 200 to appear for a protest against removal of the Confederate battle flag. But any protest will occur almost a week after the last trace of the flag has been sodded over near the Confederate monument on Gervais, and the hate group will find itself surrounded by state and city law enforcement, similar to the security plan that allowed thousands to witness the flag's removal last Friday without producing any arrests. Also scheduled to gather Saturday, church groups led by Trentham United Methodist Church. What we're opposed to is, uh, evil and, uh, those who, uh, whose uh, mindset is bent towards evil. Uh, we're praying for conversion for, for those folks. It will be hard for me as an African American, but I would imagine as well it'll be hard for a lot of them. Um, just as I've never uh, looked a member of the KKK in the face. To my knowledge, I'm sure that many others haven't as well. Um, But we we are still called, though, I think, to to press on, knowing that God is with us. Senior Pastor Mike Smith says at least two other Midlands churches have signed on to take part in a prayer vigil while the Klan event is underway. There are other organizations gathering on the grounds as well, a Jacksonville-based group called Black Educators for Justice, And two more identified as RBG Columbia, said to be planning an event called Black Heritage Day, and South Carolina Solidarity. Its activity is titled Smash the KKK. Again, Reverend Smith. Racism is real. Racism is a sin. Uh, We believe that strongly. We a Columbia police spokeswoman told us the department did not have additional information on RBG Columbia or South Carolina Solidarity. And we also asked City Hall for any further information and did not get a response. We also didn't get anything further about the city's action to impose a temporary gun and knife-free buffer zone around the State House in response to concern that Klan members might carry weapons
4: on Saturday. We'll
6: get more.
2: All right. So that was a report out of a news station out of South Carolina. About this upcoming rally by the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Again, this is an organization that is based here in North Carolina, I believe somewhere near the Virginia uh, border. Um, I'm not positive about that. Um, I, they do have a website. It is KKK Knights with a, a K. So that's four Ks. That's KKKknights.com. Now, there is, uh, again, I have been talking to people about the need for terrorism, especially white terrorism uh, database to track these uh, individuals and these organizations. And I came across a website when I was looking up uh, information on the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan. And there is a website called trackingterrorism.org which is already engaged in the sort of thing that I was talking about. But the thing is, it's not open to the public. You have to be a member and a membership for an individual costs like $500 a year. Um, but this is, this is what I was able to pull up on trackingterrorism.org. And they wrote a summary about the loyal white knights. And this is what it says. It says, according to its website, the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan is a legal, purportedly law abiding Christian organization. Which main goal is to protect our family, race and nation and restore America to a white Christian nation founded on God's word. So let's stop there. Now, how do you how do you imagine you can restore America to a white Christian nation? I mean, I mean, your birth rate is so low right now that you will be a minority in this country. Considered a minority in terms of population numbers here in, what, I think they said 2030, somewhere around there, twenty forty twenty fifty within 25 to 50 years, because uh, your birth rate is lower than your death rate and, and whatnot. And and so, um, I mean, when people talk like that, restore America to a white, that's genocide talk right there, because the only way you can restore it to a white nation is to eliminate non-white people. So I take that as a terrorist threat. It goes on to say the loyal white knights maintain the Ku Klux Klan's traditions and rituals. Ceremonies, costumes, and hierarchy of offices closely imitate those of the original and the second KKK. Members of the organization meet at rally events and occasionally wear traditional robes and hoods decorated with symbols associated with the previous clan groups. Moreover, the organization cultivate typical Ku Klux Klan traditions such as ritualistic gatherings and cross-lightings. White supremacy is the belief that is shared by all members of the organization. According to the website, only a native-born White American citizen of Christian faith who believes in white supremacy can join this organization. Uh, this organization, it says, formed as an active group really not that long ago. Just what, uh, three years ago in 2012. And so the, they are listed on this website, trackingterrorism.org uh racist terrorist groups, extremist right-wing terrorist groups. Um, Some of their tactics include propaganda and terrorism. Uh, Their targets, uh, they have propaganda and terrorism um, listed again. I'm not sure what that means, though. Uh, You have to read more, but I'm not going to pay $500 to access uh, this website. So now, Why is it important that people hold counter-demonstrations? Because I can just hear the cynics out there. I can just hear, you know, this isn't going to end racism, white supremacy. You going out there getting in the face of these white supremacists isn't going to do anything. You're just wasting your time. And, and, you know, we we, we hear the detractors, you know, they say we got more important things to work on, even though the only thing they working on really is uh, maintaining or trying to obtain, you know, the American dream, you know, two houses. I mean, excuse me, a house, two cars, and you know, all of that, that good stuff. So anyway, I came across another article titled "Why Ignoring the Ku Klux Klan Sends the Wrong Message." This was published on July 18th. Excuse me, yeah, July 18th. No, June 18th. They couldn't have. No, they must be. Talking about the date that this Klan is going to rally. All right. I thought this was the date that this was published. It's not July 18th. But anyway, the Freedom Socialist Party published the article and it says that every time the Klan or some other anti-Semitic white supremacist group announces a rally, voices are raised advising the public to just ignore them as a lunatic fringe. Anti-Klan demonstrators are counseled. To turn their backs on the bigots in silent protest, to rally across town, or even to stay home. Meanwhile, the police turn out in droves to protect the bigots' First Amendment rights, and the media coverage all goes to a handful of prancing thugs. The upshot of this approach is to give the Klan a clan re- a recruiting bonanza, with which to attract disaffected whites, especially youth like Dylan Roof. Murderer of non-African-Americans in Charleston. Roof and his ilk are blinded by a racist ideology that rationalizes their lack of opportunity by scapegoating blacks and other people of color, immigrants, Jews, unionists, GL, uh, BT community, socialists, and feminists. For a vigorous exercise of free speech by civil rights advocates, I do think we uh, got Max on uh, Max. We got you there.
7: Hello, hey, Scotty. Sorry about being a little late, man. It's been hectic here today.
2: My bad. Uh, no, no apologies uh, needed. Um, I was just reading this article. I'm getting a lot of feedback off of your mic, uh, Max. Uh, let me see if I can fix that. As I was uh, just stating to the uh, listeners. I was reading this article, Mac, about um, why ignoring the Ku Klux Klan sends the wrong message, which was pushed out by the Freedom Socialist Party. So I'll I'll continue that, man, and then we will bring you right into it because this falls right in line with why you will be out there, why your family members will be out there, why other groups will be out there. It it, it is important. And we know that there are cynics out there and and people will say things to discourage people and, and make this seem like, oh, you're not really doing anything, but I say that those people don't understand warfare. They don't understand propaganda. Um, Now, so let me continue to read this article. It says that the alternative to passivity and avoidance is to mobilize our communities to stand up to the white supremacists and show our unity in action. counter protests put the voice of those who support equality squarely at the center of the discussion. They also demonstrate which side is stronger, braver, more numerous, and willing to stand up for each other. For a decade, the Freedom Socialist Party and Radical Women in Seattle, Washington and Portland, Oregon, organized against the white Aryan resistance and Richard Butler's Aryan Nations in Boise, Idaho. From the first rally until the Aryan Nations folded, the police, local politicians, businesses and NGOs aligned with them, told the public we should not demonstrate when the Nazis marched through a D. -D 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 arlene idaho or uh when they burned across on whitby island in washington But working with the United Front against fascism, we persisted. Gradually, the public began to see that ignoring the fascists was playing into their hands. More and more people took up the direct action philosophy so that wherever the Klan or other bigots tried to rally, they were met with an outpouring of community and labor opposition. Instead of the Northwest becoming a white homeland, as promised by the Nazis at the beginning of the 1990s, there hasn't been a white supremacist demonstration in years it says that it goes on to read solidarity is the key to burying the clan whether they wear they wear suits or sheets the strategists of the racist ultra-right are intent on building a mass political movement to disenfranchise the multi hued working class majority in this country in times of economic distress they trade in the politics of fear Offering scapegoats to the deprived and deranged, they are the product of capitalism which must divide to conquer so that the one percent can fly high while the majority struggles to survive. They constitute a nascent fascist movement whose beneficiaries are the super rich and in the industrialists. Their idea, idea excuse me ideologues run the gamut. From the Council of Conservative Citizens, which is based down there in South Carolina, I believe, to racist, anti immigrant Republican presidential hopefuls like Donald Trump and Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, a virulent opponent of affirmative action and public workers' unions. And I'll stop there. I have, um, I will post this to Black Talk Radio Network if I haven't already. But at this time, we do want to welcome in Max Parthis on the line. And um, so, Max, why is this important to you and those who will be out there with you on the 18th to uh, stage counter-protest to these races? Well, we talked about
7: it to some degree last night on New Abolitionist Radio, and thank you for having me here today, Scotty. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm only talking from my personal perspective. Let's just say it like this, just for starters. If a black organization was doing the white people in South Carolina... What the KKK and their buddies are doing to black people in South Carolina, the National Guard would already be here u n representatives would have boots on the ground, and i 'm not talking about what they 've done historically i 'm just talking about the things that they've done over the past month and claim responsibility for and said they want to see more of. nobody would put up with this, not the mayor, not the governor, not the police, not the overwhelmingly white citizens. but it seems like because it 's only happening to black people it 's okay we've seen these Uh, Our churches being burned. We've had nine people killed within a church right here in South Carolina. Just exactly one month to the the, well, one month plus one day to the day that the KKK will be there. They've threatened our families and our homes, talking about how they're going to get vengeance on us for getting their flags down. They went to black neighborhoods and passed out literature about uh, the KKK and joining it. Now, why would you go to black neighborhoods and do that? You know, Uh, it's just and and just recently, somebody must have took a long time working on it. But on I-26, there's an overpass and all the way across the overpass, it says uh, FK niggers, uh, we're going to kill you on the overpass. So these are acts of terrorism happening to black people right here in South Carolina, and again, not just talking about historically, because they are known to have done these things, lynchings and burnings and mutilations, and now they get to stand at the Capitol, South Carolina, and spew that hatred at us. And brag about the people that they've killed and try to show how powerful they are so they can recruit more people right there from the state capitol. This is unacceptable. This is terrorism happening right here in South Carolina. And for me, I'm not putting up with it. I'm going to go there with my wife and my family and we're going to go face to face with these terrorists. We will not allow them to scare us off our own houses and lands. We will not allow them to terrorize our families and our children. And from what I understand, groups from all over the country are coming in. I've heard reports that the Huey Newton uh, Glo- gun club is coming in, that the New Black Panther Party is coming in, that the anarchists is coming in, the anti-fascists are coming in, that all of these different, disparaging, uh, disparate groups who have different ideologies are coming together in solidarity to stand against these genocidal maniacs. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Yes, I had heard some of the uh, same um, groups mentioned as some of the material that I've been reading about those who plan to attend these counter uh, demonstrations. Now, uh, imagine, you know, you said, you know, what if black people were doing these things, but you know, what if, regardless of their racial classification, but, um, most of the people I've seen arrested seem to be black people or Arabs. Uh, but what, what, what if this was a group flying that black flag with Arabic on it of ISIL and right. they were doing things? They wouldn't even be granted a permit to even demonstrate, I believe, because they're a terrorist group. And so I don't see how that. Except for we're in a system of racism, uh, built on white supremacy. And that is why that, a terrorist organization, one of the t- oldest terrorist organizations, uh, up in this country is able to get permits to go out there and practice terrorism. Cause that's really what it is. Terrorism isn't just. Uh, act of violence, but it's also threatening violence and, and acts of intimidation. And this is what they hope to do. So I, I just happen to think if this was some group calling itself ISIL of America and whatnot, that, you know, they went ahead and filed for the permits. Do you think they'd have got those permits?
7: No, I don't. I, I doubt if they would have got it at all. And, you know, to put things also further into perspective, remember, just until six days ago, their flag stood. Over the Capitol building, there, mm-hmm. uh, right out in front. And prior to that, it was actually on the Capitol. This is the first time that flag has been taken down from South Carolina in 150 freaking years. So, you know, they're really upset about that. That was their stronghold. So now they're coming out here to show us just how upset they are. And we're not just talking about KKK, because I've seen these guys gather at the state capitol before. They're going to have the neo-Nazis there. The skinheads are going to be there. The nationalist movement is going to be there. All of these racist white supremacists, and by their own accord, uh, account, they said they expect three to 400
2: people to show up. That's a small army. I don't know if I would call it a small a small army that would be more like a, uh, maybe two companies or something like that, Two 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 units. Yeah, uh, well,
7: for a city like Columbia, South Carolina, that seems like an army of people coming in. Yeah,
2: 400 like, is a lot of people, and we will see if that many people are willing to come out and show their faces and reveal themselves because they will not be allowed – from what I've uh, a news clip we just played, they will not be allowed to wear their hoods. Right. That's one of the things I'm also looking forward to. We'll
7: know who you are now. You have to. This is not an ideology we're fighting against now. This is not, you know, some kind of philosophy that we're struggling against. These are living, breathing people with their faces showing. So, you know, who's doctor, what's his name? And who's police officer, what's his name? And who's judge, what's his name?
2: You'll know it. Most definitely. Oh, I am overdue for a station identification break. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network. If you have a question or a comment, you can give us a call at 530-881-1400. The access code is five four nine zero three two 32 If you want to make a comment and you're not just listening, hit star six and the number one. You can also use those that same information, which is posted for you on the network. Um, by using the web-based flash phone. You could dial in from anywhere in the world. Um, Also, you can call us at 704-951-5030. We'll be back on the other side with Max Partis.
1: We do whatever we do to
2: survive. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. And and so you mentioned something earlier about recruiting efforts and and things of that nature. See, that's w- what I think a lot of people don't understand about these flags. They don't understand about these white supremacist monuments that you know a number of NAACP chapters across the um. Across the South are are seeking to remove. See those see those things promote white supremacy. Those things say that it is okay to be a white supremacist, and they are used to recruit people. I know up there in Memphis, Tennessee, you know where they have the bones of one of the founders of the Klan, um, Nathan Bedford Forrest, um, and had a big giant bronze monument to him. Every year, every year, KKK from all over the nation would would converge on this Memphis City Park, which is paid for by the tax dollars of black people. And so I don't think they un- understand the importance of propaganda and symbolism in warfare. And that's why they tend to think, you know, all oh, that stuff don't matter. Let's leave them white folks alone or they're scared or they're scared because these white white supremacists are getting pissed off. And they really don't want to go to war with with white supremacists. I mean, what are your thoughts, Max?
7: Um, I think that they are using it as a major way to recruit. They're showing their strength. That's what they're doing, flexing their muscles, showing how they can get away with anything. And that inspires other racist uh, suspects already leaning in that direction to go ahead and join them. And uh, we talked before on New Abolitionist Radio about how they've even reduced the department that monitors these white supremacist groups across America
2: down to one single person. One single person. Like, they don't really care. I got some news for you. I got some breaking news. I wasn't going to mention this because I haven't had time to do further research, but I got an email from one of my sources, and it says that, the ha- House panel unanimously okays bill creating countering violent extremism office within the DHS, within the Department of Homeland Security. This is uh, found on fiercehomelandsecurity.com. That is fiercehomelandsecurity.com. It says the House Homeland Security Committee on July 15th Unanimously approved controversial legislation by voice vote that would make countering violent extremism a top priority within the Homeland Security Department, including a new office dedicated to preventing Americans from becoming radicalized and recruited by extremist groups. Now they don't met, they don't mention um, white terrorists, but I know that the Democrats have been pushing for um um hearings on racist terrorism, and I tend to think that even though we didn't have um ten thousand people sign a petition that I put up telling them to restore the uh um staff to this homeland domestic terrorism tracking unit um i I tend to think that you know while we might have got a hundred signatures, but the um The point that we're making is they can't deny that and so you know I can't I can't say it's a number of things I, I suppose that has them now really seem to be getting serious about this let's hope so Scotty
7: let's really hope so because you know nine people are dead right now just in the past month behind this white terrorist organization how many people were killed by ISIS in America none none but right here we have this white terrorist group that has just murdered nine people, and that's something people don't seem to get. The bodies are piling up, and we can also add in Walter Scott into that because the FBI, FBI has already released a report telling us how these white supremacist organizations have infiltrated law enforcement and judicial um, Uh, the the judges' benches and throughout our entire government that they've really infiltrated. I mean, if you want to know who, you can look at the people who voted not to take the flag down, the 20 people who voted not to do it, and you can uh, extrapolate from there. There's a reason they didn't want those flags down, and it has nothing to do with heritage because we know what they were fighting for, and it wasn't states' rights. It was the state right to enslave and sell people. Yeah, to enslave people. That's what is all about. And everybody knows it. And, you know, there's another thing that's occurring on Saturday, which I think is going to be an extremely historical moment for the abolitionist movement. As you know, we've been in contact with the Quakers now for about a year, and we've even had discussions on mass incarceration, which in itself is historic that these two groups come together. But now on Saturday, they're actually uh, sending in Uh, representatives from the Quakers down there to be witnesses and to meet with me. So it will probably physically be the first time slavery abolitionists and Quakers met physically again since the late 1800s.
2: For the same reasons. Yeah, that is is exciting to see some movement on the issue of 21st century slavery and human trafficking. And we know people, you know, the political correct term is mass incarceration. But as we try to impress upon people every Wednesday night and every day that we are talking to people, either through social media or personal interactions, is that slavery was never abolished. It, it, It just was the parameters were changed. Exactly.
7: Slavery was never abolished. The 13th Amendment allowed it to continue. The private prisons and prisons in general, just all prisons, exploit that 13th Amendment to warehouse people for profit. And then they actually took even further over recent years and did more than warehouse. They went back into prison leasing, where now they're leasing prisoners out to private companies, international private companies, in order to sell their goods and uh, services and create them. I just read uh, just a couple days ago that in California, there are 70 factories built right into the prisons, 70 Mm -hmm. factories built into the prisons where these men and women are working, making not only goods here in the United States for the government, but also commercial goods sold nationwide for things like Starbucks and McDonald's and Burger King and
2: Walmart. Mm Mm-hmm. And see, that's it. That's a, which I know you will, because you already have. And see, when we have when they have these kind of rallies and people coming together around, you know, uh, these public symbols of white supremacy and slavery, that's the perfect opportunity to educate people on both sides of the issue. You know, slavery was never really abolished. What do you mean? Oh, hey, the Confederacy never really lost the war. Hey, what do you mean? And then that's when you that's your opening to educate people. So, again, these things aren't dis- distractions these are opportunities that's the way i look at it max that's the way i look at it too i'm always whenever
7: these things occur i get out there and i start talking to people about what's happening and oftentimes i'll gather a big crowd because when people are making sense others want to hear what they have to say and i and i'm certainly making sense and because this is such a new phenomenon to us we're really having become accustomed to the idea that people are being bought sold warehouse abused and all of these things and When I say new phenomenon, I mean that in 1970, there was only 230,000 prisoners nationwide. Then after the on drugs started by the criminal Nixon and then the introduction of privatized prisons by Ronald Reagan, it exploded from 230,000 to 2.5 million, which is what we see today, and 24 million going through our jails, prisons, probations, and parole uh, systems in one year. In one single year. So it's hard for us to grasp it because it's so new, only 40 years. But like Frederick Douglass said, a nation can lose its liberties in a day and not recognize it for half a century.
2: And well, especially if you've got a corporate media that's the fourth wing of the government that continues to misinform people about this. When you have a Hollywood industry that makes movies like Lincoln that just reinforces the myth that the Civil War ended slavery in this country, I mean, that's why a lot of people don't know. They're not being taught this in in public indoctrination schools. They are not getting it from popular culture. You just heard the president the other day had to tell people that rape ain't funny. You know, it's not something to joke about all these people. You know, a lot of people don't realize men are the most victims of rape in this country because of prison.
7: Because of prisons. yep.
2: But and yet we got a society that wants to make movies and, and make, you know, prison <laughs> a damn joke.
7: One of the most horrible things we're doing to people in this country, if not the most horrible thing, is what happens within these prison systems. And we keep seeing how officials are tied into this thing directly with judges out in Pennsylvania selling nearly 5,000 children uh, in a Kids for Cash campaign uh, for a decade. In Tutwiler's prisons, where the women are being raped consistently and molested, and the prisoners have I mean, the guards have even admitted, 36% of them, that they are responsible for being these things, that they're doing these things. Very little prosecutions. Omar Epps, I'm not Omar Epps, uh, Christopher Epps out in Mississippi, the commissioner who ran the entire prison prison system, ending up being corrupt. All of these things are happening right now, and the media is really hiding it, as you said, and so are our educational systems, which leads to us having these intellectuals out there who refuse to accept what is going on. They make all these pseudo words about it, mass incarceration being the most popular, of course, but there's like a thousand different descriptions that they've come up with in order to describe what is modern-day slavery and human trafficking.
2: Most certainly. um, Yeah. Now, getting back to these white supremacists, you had mentioned the killing of Walter Scott, and that was in North Charleston, right? North Charleston, yes. South Carolina. And it wasn't and this didn't get a lot of mainstream corporate attention. Again, I don't expect them to, but um but there was some local um reporting on it. But the North Charleston police officer about a month or two after the the murder of Walter Scott, the execution of Walter Scott was fired because a supervisor found his Facebook page and mm-hmm. he is posing on Facebook in his mm-hmm. Confederate underwear. So that goes to what you were saying about how they have infiltrated, you know, all of these institutions. Well, I wouldn't even say infiltrated because this damn government, all of these governments were founded on white supremacy. So I think to say they infiltrated them is incorrect.
7: Yeah, the FBI, for instance, was founded by the KKK as far as uh, history tells us. And uh, I won't go into details. Just look it up FBI founded by KKK, and you'll see what happened there. Uh, and we also remember what happened. Um, COINTELPRO, that was government agencies that were straight racists. I mean, they were literal racists and involved with the Klans. This nation has always used the Klan and uh, organizations like the Klan as an oppressive force outside of the government that is supported by the government to uh, murder and kill and, and mutilate our men, women, and children. It's happened all the way up until, I mean, we can think back to the march in Selma. It was going on then. And there's people alive today
2: who was a part of that thing. And not being prosecuted. But we, I just saw a 90-something-year-old former Nazi guard who was just convicted of being a accomplice to murdering people. But, hell, like you just mentioned, uh, we got people still alive from the 60s eras that committed heinous crimes against people. And they yet to be prosecuted and never will be prosecuted as far as I can see. So again, we, you know, people need to wake up. They need to wake up. This isn't post racial America. We haven't progressed that much. Um, you know, really, we haven't, we haven't, you know, in terms of being able to access, you know, restaurants and, and, you know, thing, public accommodations. Yeah, that's some progress right there. Uh, but in, in terms of, of, Terrorism towards non white people no there's been no progress whatsoever and 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 I would like to know, and I'll look this up uh later again I haven't really had had uh time but this uh particular group that's coming from North Carolina. Down in South Carolina, the White Knights of, what was the name of this group? The White Knights of something. Anyway, I wonder if they have 501c3 nonprofit status. I believe they do because President Obama was talking about passing legislation to make them reveal where they're getting their money from, who's donating to them. So, again, this is federal refund. These white supremacist groups are actually being supported by the federal government. How how can you explain to me federal government give, or even a state government giving nonprofit status to a terrorist organization? Well, I'll give you one that is a, a,
7: a public servants organization. In Alabama, the police wear Confederate flag badges on their arms. They also have Confederate flags on their cruisers if that's not a form of terrorism then i don't know what is because we have all just realized even those that didn't understand because of the debates that have been going on with the confederate flag what it represents so imagine police an entire police force in alabama wearing these symbols of hate and slavery and murder and oppression and secession yeah, Alabama
2: uh, State Troopers. Uh, where right, it's, Alabama it's,
7: State Troopers. It's
2: part of the state seal. It, it has the Confederate flag in there with some other uh, other stuff. And, uh, and the NAACP out there is calling for those to be removed. And, again, I know it's people out there that's going to say, well, that's not going to end racism, white supremacy. Well, tell me what will then. At least these people are doing something to get in the, you know, doing something to counter racism and And so, I just hate that kind of talk, man. We got more important things to do, man. You ain't trying to do nothing but get that big screen t v so you know that's how I feel about that, max. I'm gonna try to stay positive, man, but i sometimes man, I just get I get agitated, man, when I see all of these naysayers who ain't doing nothing but you know talking bad about what somebody else trying to do. Yeah, and we, you know, we're seeing these things come
7: out from law enforcement very often now. Just today, two stories have been coming out. One about Sandra Bland, who was uh, arrested when she was uh, for a traffic violation out in Texas, and ended up being taken to jail. And they said that she had assaulted the officer. She ended up dead uh, two days after being in custody. And now they find out that the sheriff involved was fired from his previous post for racism
2: yeah that's one of the stories we got listed in our news segment coming up um, right. in, in the second hour so that's information new information because what i was reading they certainly did not say anything about what's that the sheriff was fired before or what
7: right and, and the other stories in uh, brunswick georgia where a couple of cops on their own dash cam you could see them they're bragging about killing this unarmed mother, and they applaud their marksmanship and they're bragging about her face exploding mm-hmm. uh This is sociopathic behavior and it's it's unacceptable at any level at any level we should not be allowing this in our in our country and it's so easy to stop it if we just decide that we will not allow this you know um we just have to come up come to that conclusion that we're done with it one way or another. We are not going to wait 50 years for changes. If we have to all go down to Columbia, South Carolina, everybody in this damn country to show them how we feel, then let's do it. Yeah, well, there are some other back. things.
2: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead.
7: I, I was just saying it's time to straighten up your back and stand up to these people before another nine or 900 people die. Hmm.
2: I agree with that, man, because um, that's how bullies operate, and that's really what they are, bullies. If if you don't stand up to a bully, you're only encouraging him to terrorize you every day. The moment that you stand up and, and you punch that bully in the nose, then guess what? That bully ain't going to pick on you. He's going to find somebody weaker. You know, to, uh, to terrorize. So I, I certainly agree with that. Uh, there, are, I was going to say there are some things that we need to be doing that, uh, cannot be said on these public airways, but we need to be having in face to face conversations. And, and I say that because again, the, this white terrorism, you know, I heard somebody talking about Iran being a state sponsor of terrorism. Come on, man. If the Ku Klux Klan and these white terrorist groups got 501c3 status, nonprofit status, that they are considered, you know, their hate speech and and all of that is considered protected speech. Well, damn, the United States is a state sponsor of domestic terrorism. And so since we know we can't rely on. You know, you mentioned earlier about the Homeland Security Unit for tracking right wing racist terrorists uh, was gutted. Well, see, that shows you right then and there. They're not interested in going after these terrorists. So don't sit around waiting on the government to do it. Do that for yourself. And I'll leave it at that. Um, Max, I'm, I'm going to take a short station identification break and uh, place message music. And then when we come back, if you have time, I don't know how busy you are today. Do you? How much more time do you have with us, Max?
7: Uh, I'm at your disposal for the day. All right. All right. I got to do it later tonight. All
2: right. Appreciate it, Max. Appreciate it. So we'll come back on the other side. And uh, we want to look at these RICO, um, this story concerning these marijuana. I I don't like using the word marijuana, but cannabis, uh, legal cannabis businesses in Washington and Colorado and this anti uh freedom now what i'm calling anti freedom organization uh with after them using the RICO law and i've never heard of anything like this and this is something we have been talking about consistently on new abolitionist radio ever since uh our coverage began on what went down in ferguson uh so y'all stay tuned that is what we will be getting into uh remember the telephone number conference line 530-881-1400 access code 549 549- zero three two pound once you dialed in hit star six and one to come in on air um if you're in the virgin islands if you are in the Pumice, wherever you are in the world if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now you can chime in that's what that free web-based flash phone is for so we hope that you take advantage of that because indeed we are a global family most certainly and, and and we need to unite all across this globe so stay tuned we'll be back on the other side with some more black talk radio news and max Parkers. So
1: we do whatever we do to survive right? drop
4: it <laughs> 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 This is Brother
3: Elliot, first of time for an awakening, and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium.
4: This is Monroe, North Carolina. The town where local NAACP president... Williams created headlines when he said, Sometimes violence must be met with violence. Many asked why.
1: You know, we do whatever we do to survive. Drop it! Some of the people who had
4: thought that it would be better to settle these cases violently, I had been able to uh, persuade them that we should use the courts and go into the courts. So this thing had... uh, At Boomerang, and uh, I was being uh, held responsible for having brought these cases to court. uh, There were trials where a Negro maid had been kicked down a flight of stairs uh, by a white man. And that uh, this man hadn't even bothered to come to his own trial, and that he had uh, he had also uh, been uh, acquitted. And uh, there was a demonstration as a result of this in uh, the courtroom by the Negro women of the community. And, uh, they had approached me and, uh, had said, well, you said that you would see that these people would be punished because, uh, through the organization we would have constant counseling. And, uh, that if it hadn't been for you, that these people would have been punished. And, uh, they wanted to know what I would recommend that they do from then on. And so I recommended that that they meet violence with violence. That uh, new Negroes must be prepared to repulse attack, That they must be willing to fight. That they must be willing to die and to kill if necessary. That uh, there was no law and no Fourteenth Amendment uh, to the United States Constitution of equal for protection in the South, and that therefore they didn't have any deterrent. So they would have to create. To the, to the deterrent forced themselves by mutual violence with right.
3: We also recognize that individuals do not create rebellions, conditions do. Until they begin to address themselves to those conditions, rebellions will continue and they will escalate. They will escalate. Sometimes the question has been raised about why black men fight and they have fought for this country. It is the black man's implacable will to be free that makes him fight for this country, and it is that same will that will make him fight this country. Fight this country. Fight. I want to address myself now the problems as they exist in the black community across America. And America cannot be considered as a stable and just society, but no stable and just society can mount a successful offensive against black youth who break a window and at the same time plead that it is powerless to protect black youth who are being murdered because they seek to make American democracy a reality, reality, reality. church is bombed, or burnt, that is violence in our streets. Each time a black body is found in the swamps of Mississippi and Alabama, that is violence in our land. Each time black white workers cannot be protected by the government, that is anarchy. Each time a police officer shoots and kills a black teenager, that is urban crime. You see, we recognize America for what it is, the fourth right. And we tell America to be on notice because if you of our play Nazis, black folks ain't gonna play They Ain't gonna play Jews.
2: Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast from behind these enemy lines. That's right, America is the fourth right. You know why I like to play those clips? From the past, because again, it's a measurement. I use it as a measurement of how far we have come, and what did you just hear? H. Rap Brown, uh, now known as Jamil alameen What did you just hear him talking? Churches being burnt down. That's a clip from the '60s. Churches being burnt down black bodies being found in fields and swamps and you know police officers killing teenagers killing women you know so i mean again how can you say that we made all this progress when we are still plagued by these problems today you know and and, and again you know that's when uh, during that time period where there were several of uh, different uh time periods when these racist Flags, terrorist flags, and monuments were erected, and and that was another time period when those flags went up. It was in the 1960s uh, uh, to to let you know. I don't care what kind of laws been passed, you still just a nigger, and we gonna do whatever we wanna do. Cause by God, you know I'm a white I'm a white man, and there are no laws that I'm you know passed. Um, that I should apply to a Negro. So whatever, man. Again, y'all want to talk about some post-racial America. Y'all want to talk about how much gains as a people we have made. When I listen to to these old clips and things of that nature, man, it lets me know. That slaps me right in the face, man. We ain't really come that far. We really ain't coming. If anything, we've gone backwards. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm still hopeful that, you know, these groups, Um, that are emerging in opposition to these white supremacists will be the beginning of the new uh, black liberation movement. Your thoughts, Max? That's my
7: hope, Scotty, that it will be the beginning of something brand new with us coming together despite all our ideological uh, ideological and philosophical differences and things we believe in, just coming together against this common foe. I'm hoping to will start uh, here in Columbia, South Carolina at ground zero on July 18th at 12 noon and then again at 3 to 5 p.m. Um, that would be a dream come true to know that people do care about what happens to us here, that killing us is not something you're okay with. And I'm constantly right now getting messages, both of people saying they're coming and other people telling me how they got to work. I'm not trying to hear your I got to work excuse. I really ain't. I'm not trying to hear it. We're talking about life and death. We're talking about people who look just like you, who are related to you, who are your people being murdered and terrorized and brutalized and oppressed, and you're telling me you got to go flip burgers that day, or you need to have a, uh, you get out to the call center because AT and T is working, waiting for you. I'm not trying to hear that. If you're, if that's your excuse, then don't bother telling me.
2: Now we want to shift gears for a moment, and we want to focus in on slavery because slavery race based slavery is the root cause of all of this this is what these white supremacists want to return us to is where we're you know not just simply captured on the street and put into slavery modern 21st century slavery but where our children are born into it and and in fact they are already identifying children by their reading grade levels as to whether or not you know how many sales they need to build and whatnot so we want to we want to uh switch gears for a moment and talk about one of the tools that we identified on new abolitionist radio and we have been talking about because whenever the fbi whenever the department of justice goes in and documents these crimes there's never any doggone prosecutions you know, what's the point of telling me all these crimes that these people have committed if you're not going to prosecute them? you telling us in the Ferguson report that laws were broken. Well, then where it, where is the arrest for the lawbreakers? Okay, where are the prosecution of the lawbreakers? Where show me some convictions. Just simply telling me that this was wrong, that these people broke the law, and you name it with what laws they broke and all of this and that, and then you're going to enter into a non prosecutorial agreement with these people? Oh, y'all just stop treating them black folks so bad, and we're going to put a monitor in the police department to monitor what you're doing. I mean, that ain't no doggone deterrent, all right? There there are the police departments killing people with federal monitors sitting right there in the freaking office of the police department. So, you know, anyway, so trying to be proactive and recognizing the fact that we can't rely on anyone but ourselves uh, to prosecute these criminals. I came across, we started talking about the RICO laws. Max, you want to tell me a little bit about the RICO laws before I read this article about these uh, cannabis opponents using this law to fight the legal cannabis industry?
7: Uh, yeah, the RICO charges, uh, racketeering charges, which have been historically used against groups like the mafia and currently even used against teenagers in Chicago for uh, gang affiliations. And as of late, we've been using them or not, we, but the abolitionists and the anti-slavery movement and mass incarceration movements have been
2: using them against the prison industry. Well, not low- using them, Max, but looking at using them.
7: Well, I believe that Unicor is being sued under RICO charges. Oh, right it is?
4: Court,
7: yes, for employing the largest number of illegal aliens in the United States. Uh, over 5,000 undocumented workers are uh, employed by Unicor. Which is a three quarter of a billion dollar a year industry making goods and services. So they're being sued. And that's run by the federal government. Right, exactly. It's run by the federal government. And there's other instances where RICO charges have been presented. I believe that RICO charges are being levied against Alabama prison systems as well now as a direct uh, plea from
2: our FAM out in the uh, Free Alabama Movement. Now, this article came out. Uh, Three days ago uh, on ABC uh, News dot go dot com, it says the marijuana opponents using racketeering law to fight industry. A federal law crafted to fight the mob is giving marijuana opponents a new strategy in their battle to stop the expanding industry. Racketeering lawsuits. Colorado pot shop recently closed that a Washington based group opposed to legal cannabis. See, they, they opposed to to people. Uh, exercising their liberty and freedom. This is an anti-freedom group. All right, all right. So they are opposed to legal marijuana. Sue not just the pot shop, but a laundry list of firms doing business with it, from its landlord and accountant to the Iowa bo- bonding company guaranteeing its tax payments, one by one. Many of the defendants agreed to stop doing business with Medical Marijuana of the Rockies until the mountain shop closed its doors and had to sell off its pots at fire sale prices. And so, this is a medical marijuana dispensary that they went after. And here in North Carolina, they just legalized uh, um, what's it called? Those C C B um. Uh, Uh, The oils, the oils that's used to treat epilepsy that's made from cannabis. I I forgot CBD or CBO oils. uh, uh, They just legalized that here in North Carolina. All right. So anyway. With another lawsuit pending in Southern California, the cases represent a new approach to fighting cannabis. If the federal government won't stop its expansion, pot opponents say federal racketeering lawsuits could. Marijuana may be legal under state law, but federal drug law still considers any marijuana business organized crime. And so, the, again, the federal government is moving on this. I do believe that they will have to... Uh, um, Um, in drug prohibition because of public sentiment now is on the side of look we we shouldn't be locking up people for this anyway it says that um, lawyers on both sides said that the Colorado racketeering approach is novel so apparently I didn't notice that you could sue people under federal law in federal courts for violating RICO statutes and so um, like that report from Ferguson found all of these, you know, most of it was done for, let's say, let's look at New York Police Department. Remember when they did the shutdown where they said they wasn't going to stop and frisk nobody for a whole week and the city was losing $10 million a, a, a week, I think it was, Max, was it? It was $10 million a week. They were losing $10 million a week. We know that Ferguson was, was bringing in $3 million annually by writing tickets and jailing all of these black people and making them pay fines and stuff like that. This, this is organized crime. This is organized crime with a profit motive. And, and for a number of months now, we have been talking about that we need to step up. And try to force the federal government to charge these people under RICO, even though we know that they're not going to do it. So I was pretty hopeful. I was pretty elated to see this report saying, hey, you don't have to be a prosecutor to bring RICO RICO violations against someone. Your thoughts on that, Max? Um, I think that's a beautiful thing that
7: if we can do it as individuals, but I would certainly like to see some of our law firms get together and work on this, uh, getting it, you know, this in order. If you don't mind, I'll read a little bit of what RICO charges uh, are and how we can do sure. them directly from the government page. It says when a RICO action is brought with continuity, can be established. established, then liability depends on whether the threat of continuity is demonstrated. However, Judge Scalia wrote in his con- uh, concurring opinion that it would be absurd to say that at least a few months of racketeering activity is generally for free as far as RICO is concerned. Uh, therefore, if the predicate acts involved a distinct threat of long-term racketeering activity, either implicit or explicit, a RICO pattern is established. The RICO statute expressly states That it is unlawful for any person to conspire to violate any of the subsections of 18 U.S.C.A. 1962. The government need not prove that the defendant agreed with every other conspirator, knew all of the other conspirators, or had full knowledge of all the details of the conspiracy. All All that must be shown is, one... That the defendant agreed to commit the substantive racketeering offense through agreeing to participate in two racketeering acts, just two, and that he knew the general status of the conspiracy, and three, that he knew the conspiracy extended beyond beyond his individual role. Now, if that doesn't describe policing for profit. And prison for profit, then nothing does. This is a long-term, long-standing, racketeering act, which
2: can be proven easily. Right. Now, one of the easy, uh, what I would say would be an easy target is like, for example, when you have uh, the CCA, the Correction Corporation of America, the world's largest private prison in slavery enters into contracts with states like Louisiana and has a stipulation in there that says that you must keep the prisons 90% full, okay, to meet, you know, the terms of the contract. That's racketeering right there. That's a conspiracy to enslave people for for money. That's easy proof right there. Yes. And at New Abolitionist
7: Radio, we have one of the largest archives of documented proof, witness, testimony, records of these things going on so you don't really have to look no further than us to find enough
2: proof for
7: the things that are four
2: years worth of archives
7: that's right we've got it all right there straight from the horse's mouth not no secondhand information direct evidence of this going on so yeah we could attack the prison system we could specifically attack the private prison industry because anything that we do to the private prison industry will bleed over into the Federal prison industries.
2: Now, the only thing that concerns me is that 13th Amendment. That concerns me in these RICO statutes. So, you know, we should keep an eye on the cases that you mentioned of of the different groups that are going after some of these jails and some of these prisons under racketeering and, and see how those play out. But I'm just concerned because the 13th Amendment legalizes slavery. So I'm well, concerned. Dear. Without
7: that, we could still do it because of the uh, human rights violations and the constitutional violations and some of the uh, extreme cases of conflicts of interest, which would uh, a perfect example where you could attack with RICO charges would be in Arizona. The prison that was built there, I believe it's called Eloy uh, prison, was built for Hawaiians. So they trafficked Hawaiians from Hawaii to Arizona in a prison that is only built for Hawaiians, but the main aspect that you could really attack from is that the mayor and deputy mayor were part-time employees for the state, but they were full-time employees for CCA.
2: You know, I was just thinking about that because um, um, my children have relatives in, in Hawaii. I was stationed there for like three years. Uh, that was the beginning, I would say, the beginning of How those people looked at me as being a U.S. soldier, as an occupier and whatnot. But I'm thinking, why why are they shipping people out of Hawaii? Well, just think about. Just like in the black community, when they take a member of our community out of our community and then send them to a prison in a rural area where it's predominantly white. And then they get counted in the census as being part of that community where they're locked up. And then federal resources are directed to that community where they are locked up, enslaved and not, you know, to the communities where, you know, their last physical address before they got enslaved and so um i'm looking at why are you removing these people from hawaii and i mean i i got to think about that one some more that's just crazy man and that's not the only state that does that doesn't alaska do the same thing yes and kentucky and
7: vermont uh also does the same thing and texas does the same thing as well and another rico charge uh that we could pull out of our hat is when prisoners are transported from one prison in one state to another in order to fill jobs. Now, that is totally illegal. They're like these factories that they have in California, 70 factories, or the factories they have in Arizona. If you're taking prisoners from one state to another state in order for them to fill commercial jobs, that is illegal on every level.
2: Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, well, let me ask you this question, Max and again, if any other listeners have any questions, comments, observations, uh give us a call five three zero eight eight one fourteen hundred The access code is five four nine zero three two pound hit star six and one. You can also use the web based flash phone or call us at seven zero four nine five one five zero three zero now. <sighs> Why, Max, why hasn't the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, why hasn't the ACLU, why hasn't the Southern Poverty Law Center or any of these groups that are primarily made up of lawyers and say that, you know, they are fighting for justice and fighting against injustice. I wonder why all of these different groups have never attempted to bring RICO charges against these people for practicing slavery. And all the related abuses to slavery.
7: Well, are are you asking me? Um, I'm I'm just throwing it? it
2: out there as a general question. What's your opinion?
7: I would think that the, uh, groups that represent the, uh, African Americans across the United States are suffering from the same issues that we find the general populace suffering from. Uh, they have been
2: led to believe that these things are legal and correct up until recently. But wait a minute, Max. They went to law school. You and I did not go to law school, okay? And, 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 and all we did was read the doggone 13th Amendment and we read the law. So, I mean, come on, man. Well, we have spoken, for instance, when we, when you
7: had on Black Talk Radio Network the lawyers for the Marissa Alexander case, you remember when you had them on, when mm-hmm. were talking with them, and I brought up the 13th Amendment to them, showing them that this was part of a much larger campaign and that she was just one more cog in the wheel who they really didn't care about. Those lawyers didn't know the 13th Amendment had an exception clause.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: And they were lifetime lawyers. So just because you studied law doesn't mean that you weren't susceptible to the same type of brainwashing or omissions that everybody else has been uh you know subject to most of our our military men right now who swear to defend the constitution have never read the constitution to any large degree they don't know about the 13th amendment i personally have went out and talked to congressmen senators Police officers, sled officers, and ask them: Do you know there is an exception clause in the 13th Amendment, and what role you play because of that? And about 30 different people that I've asked in these positions, none of them knew that there was a 13th Amendment exception clause.
2: Max, I do believe we got a caller two eight one. You are called in to Black Talk Radio News. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yes, Scotty, can
0: you hear me? Yes. Okay, listen man, uh just on that Rico thing. If you remember that Rico thing got real popular when Giuliani uh prosecuted Don it and this gangsters, those gangsters in New York. Right. Uh if you remember that's where they actually came up with it uh started using the real hot to bring those gangsters down in New York. You re- do you remember that? Yes, yes I sir. do remember that. Okay, now here's another one though. It's not just for gangsters. not just for gangs. They also use the same RICO act to bring down that teachers. brother Yahweh, Ben Yahweh, in the nation of Yahweh in Florida. I
2: remember, remember that, that, that as well. The teachers. That's in the- exactly
0: what they oh. use. Yeah, that's exactly what they use to bring the whole nation down. And and the way the uh, thing read was, U.S. government versus the nation of Yahweh. Okay, and he was not convicted on anything but conspiracy.
5: Mm-mm-mm.
0: Like a priest, like a, somebody comes in and talks to a priest and tell a priest, uh, you know, convi- you know, the, you know, I, the father, i sin sinned, forgive me, blah blah blah. These are my sins and blah blah blah. And he say go do a hundred Hail Marys and you know the, the whole nine. Well, that was all he was convicted on because they claimed somebody told him of uh, some of the things that uh. That they are uh, were using to uh, uh, to use that conspiracy against him. Then, while he was in prison, they they let him rot in the prison and told him if they let him out, he could not have any contact with anybody in the nation Mm-mm. as a a, uh, a requirement of his release. And he uh, was released shortly after and died of uh, I think it was prostate cancer.
2: He is a political prisoner.
0: Exactly. But I just want to throw it in about the RICO statute. They can take RICO and me and you could be out, we, you and Max could be out just congregating every evening under a shade tree and they could use RICO against me and you and, you know, and him saying that we were a racketeering, influence, corrupt organization. Yep. So
2: I don't. I hope that doesn't
4: take you all off
2: subject. No, it, it, it
4: doesn't.
2: You know. No, no it, 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 it. No, it doesn't. That's exactly what we're talking about. But did you know, caller, that apparently private citizens and, and regular organizations can can bring RICO lawsuits against these companies against, I guess, these uh, entities like governments, small towns. And my thing is, if if this is true, and apparently it is true. Uh, because I've just read the story about, you know, this group that's against legal cannabis, you uh filing uh a, a RICO lawsuit. So it is it's true. And so I think that is something that we need to have in our tool chest as activists. And going after these companies like the GEO Group, the second largest private prison enslaver, the Correction Corporation of America, MTC, against these police departments where there is a pattern in practice of racism and discrimination and, and, and writing tickets like stop and frisk. Those are RICO Act violations. So did you know that, caller that, that you as an individual could bring a RICO lawsuit against, against these uh, organizations and groups?
0: No, I did not, but one thing for sure, we as people are going to have to turn around and throw the book at law enforcement and all these other uh, organizations that are killing people, especially us black people, wholesale, and use the same thing against them that they're throwing against us. And uh, let me comment about the government. When they they talk about we're going to look into something and all that, they they actually want to, you know, monitor the police. They're really just letting these 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 uh, racists that are already intertwined in the fabric of of the, the court systems and the, all the police departments. These these KKK racist, uh, supreme racist supremacist, uh organizations, have already infiltrated every single uh, level of government, all the way up from every senator, uh, all of the, the representatives. All of the courts, including the Supreme Court, and they and people walk around and act like, oh well, we're gonna you know let the let the process happen. The hell with the process! If you are gonna be so stupid as not to know when somebody you watching somebody beat the hell out of you and your people right there on camera, and you too damn stupid to know what's going on, then I'm here to tell you that you just as stupid as the people that are bamboozling you. So. I mean, it, it it just goes, you know, it just never ends and people I'm just getting sick and tired of every day hearing people uh, you know, giving the government, giving the police officers a pass. I know some good policemen too. I know some good representatives, I know some good lawyers, I know some good um uh, judges, but here I'm here to tell you, how in the hell are you gonna fight a system that has all these voices supremacy intertwined, interwoven into, into the whole fabric? Mm-hmm. because that's why things are not moving because the very people you take it, you trying to uh, go against have people inside keeping them from being convicted What I'm are not being convicted because you're taking them back to the same racist supremacist that, that vowed in these groups to protect until we start stop, until we stop being fearful and stand up and say hell no, we're not going to take it anymore Then that's the only time it's going to stop brother
2: well, thank you for chiming in. I'll certainly co-sign on on today, and I uh, hope that you right, will go. chime in on later topics uh, in the future. Thanks.
0: Yes, sir. We will. I'm I'm listening.
2: All right.
7: This is how the RICO charges can be very powerful for us as uh, citizens to work in our favor now and to put a stop to all of this. We can literally start purges. We can purge individual towns and communities. We can start purging uh, cities and city governments. We can start purging states and state governments. Hey, we can like, reappropriate,
2: uh, what, what's the word? Reappropriate funds from them because in these lawsuits, look, $50,000 this one paid to this group to get out the lawsuit. They settle, So we can bankrupt these places, man.
7: Yes, we could. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things. And put that, that, that money right back, back into place. our communities. I think that just between the Black Talk Radio Network and our associated allies like uh, Decarcerate New Jersey and like uh, the uh, Decarcerate Columbia, uh, Columbia University, that we cost these prison profiteers upwards of $200 million in uh, funds. So they already don't like us because of that, you know, just taking the money out of their accounts the way – Uh, columbia university has done the way the new york
2: teachers union out and i believe was brooklyn uh... are
7: are doing and so on
2: right we have another caller uh... area code nine seven three go ahead with your question comment or observation
5: i'm sorry for the delay good afternoon gentlemen
2: good afternoon i recognize that voice you've always got something brilliant and insightful
7: to
4: say hello
5: hello how are you well first of all max four stars to you we're, we're wanting to take your wife with you and your children down to South Carolina. Is that, That's where you live at, sir, correct right now? Is that correct?
4: Yes,
7: that's where I live at. Just yes, about a mile away so from wonderful. where Dylan Roof is. so so
5: family. proud of you. Just make sure you just be safe because we need you to be on the Black Talk radio station. Um, with that being said, um, I my organization is definitely going to look into the RICO app. Um, thank you for giving that news Mr. Uh, Reed about the um, the situation was ensuing. I think we really need to really look at that a little bit more carefully. Maybe we need to fight fire with fire, fight law with the law. You know what I mean? They like to throw sort of the book at mm-hmm. us. Let's kinda like throw it back at them. Um, what else was I going to say? This is so much information that your your radio station um, gives out. I'm just so happy again that I found your radio station to listen to me being from the New York New Jersey area. A lot of the radio stations I used to listen to are now defunct, and um I was always, I mean, you know, it's so funny that even here on the on East Coast, no one ever really talked about this. I had to kind of go and do my own research. It was never really out there. I'm just wondering why the New York, New Jersey area has not really, I, I know that you said also, Mr. Mack, that you are from Patterson, New Jersey, correct?
7: Yes, I'm from pa- born and in raised Patterson. in Patterson, but New Jersey.
5: Were you, were you part of the uh, the Black Talk Radio at that time, or no?
7: No, I, I became a member of the Black Talk uh, Radio Network about four years ago.
5: Okay. Well, I, I mean, like I said, once you guys get the T-shirts going and buttons going... You have a fan here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I really do you know, yeah yeah I, I mean I I will be sending information to you to read about something going on with that organization I don't like to talk about it because okay. I, I feel you know you're you're, you're it's for you know your news and, and it's going to be coming up in the week so I will be sending you information and I do know Baba' right I that Great article he written yesterday. I'll probably see him today anyway, uh, this evening. But that was a great article. He is a he is a prolific writer. He really, really is. He should really do a show on us. Uh well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that might be too much for them. But in any case, I just enjoy you guys and I, I just really appreciate the DTR. And, and also, I will be sending more money into the station. Thank you so, so much. Okay. Thank
7: you. And we do have t-shirts available now for the new abolitionist movement. Uh, just send me a PM of what size you want and or, or send me a PM and I'll send you an image to show you what they look like. I've been putting them up around and wearing them myself and a lot of the other people are saying, hey, I want to represent two so that would help us to keep moving forward if you'd like to have some of the clothing. So just send
2: me a, a okay. PM on Facebook, and I'll send you a, a picture of what we've got.
5: Will do. Thank you.
2: All right. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, yeah, Max, like she said, they throw the book at us, throw it right back. And I see this RICO um, lawsuits as a viable tool for us to use, mm-hmm. to organize around and, and to
7: use. Against on a military level, that's br- what we're supposed to do. Right. We use our own, our enemies' weapons against them.
2: Whenever possible, most certainly, most certainly. Um, yeah. So, I do want to uh, share some of the other news. Uh, we have what about twenty, twenty, twenty something minutes left in the program. Tando Radio Show will be coming on at six o'clock p.m. They will be talking about the non. Federal Reserve, you know, because the Federal Reserve isn't actually run by the federal government. That's just technology going on there. It's really a private entity that's printing up all of these worthless dollars. So they'll be talking about the non-federal reserve. Um, Just an update on one of the new programs coming to the network. The uh, Lotus Place radio show uh, was supposed to start last night, but something came up, but they will start on Friday. Uh, I talked to uh, one of the hosts, uh, Sister Black Rose. is the uh, handle she goes by. I talked to her today, and we went through a little bit of training. So they will be debuting their program, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern. That's 9 Central. Uh, Friday night, Um uh, following that would be Race Treaty. Race Treaty Radio comes on from 9 to 10. So, uh, that's what happened last night. Something came up. She wasn't able to do the program, but she will be able to do it this Friday. Um, I do want to transition, um, to the news. I want to talk about some of the news. Max, we had two Confederate monuments in Charlotte that were uh defaced. Uh somebody put some kind of cement glue on them and and then also had posted racist on one of the monuments. And this monument is right across the street from the police department. And <laughs> and I thought that was funny and they wrote racist on there. And I mean the language. I had never even knew these monuments existed in Charlotte, you know. And so one of the um, monuments actually said, you know, that they were praising the soldiers for upholding the Anglo-Saxon civilization of the South. I mean, that's white supremacy right there, man. And, and, And this is these monuments are sitting on public land maintained by public tax dollars. And, you know, it doesn't seem like the city council in Charlotte has the the intestinal fortitude to, to remove these uh, symbols of racism and white supremacy. So I don't know who did it, uh, but whoever did it, I want to give you a thumbs up. I want to give you that's direct action. It may not seem like most, but look, now people are talking about it. Now people know that white supremacy is being maintained in Charlotte in the form of this symbolism. Again, the symbolism, propaganda, all of that stuff are are part of warfare. So if you don't think it's important that we tear down these monuments and we stop allowing our money to be used to maintain, then that's you. That's not important to you. But don't think because it's not important to you that it's not important to other people. And so, you know, that's like engaging in guerrilla propaganda. I would call it, Max, you know, when you go out here and you graffiti up these monuments and calling, you know, these people murderers, calling them terrorists, calling them racists. And hell, you know, if, if you want to maintain them, well, we're going to make you keep spending money to clean them up because every time you clean them up, we're going to dirty them up. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Max?
7: Uh, I think that the taxpayers, including black and uh, Native American taxpayers, are going to pay to have that cleaned up. And that right there is wrong. Uh, this is what John Sim called visual terrorism consistently in our faces, not only terrorizing people of color who have been traditionally oppressed by these groups, but empowering the groups and letting them know that right here on government property, we have a stronghold for you and we Mm -hmm. remember you fondly and we support you not only with our own efforts, but we're going to get all these people who you are oppressing to help support you fiscally. So when you, mm-hmm. they hire whoever they're going to hire to go out there and clean that off of that, it'll be the people of Charlotte paying for that to happen.
2: Well, if the people of Charlotte don't want to keep paying for that, then maybe they need to impress upon their uh, city leaders that they need to be removed. That's
7: yep. one of the biggest things about the abolitionist movement. One of the top two things I would say is one that we want to live in a country where slavery does not exist where, for any reason. No human trafficking, no slavery under any disguise. And the other thing is that we want an end to racial discrimination and oppression. And those symbols are racial discrimination and oppression.
2: Well, shout out to those in Charlotte. Um I hope that, because uh, I know people do tune in from Charlotte. I hope it was one of you. I hope one of you heard me on here telling you to go out there and do that because I wholeheartedly 100% supported you know do your best not to get caught though that's a misdemeanor in case you didn't know that's a misdemeanor class one misdemeanor here in North Carolina you could face up to um, I think a thousand dollar fine or six months in jail on each count so there is some risk involved in that but hey if you feel so moved to do it and you're willing to pay the penalty like so many other people have paid the penalty okay some paid the penalty with their lives to to confront racism and white supremacy in all its forms. So, just long as you know, but I wholeheartedly support that. All right. Now, Max mentioned earlier about uh, Sandra Bland. She was 28 years old. She was from Chicago. She had recently moved to Naperville, Texas, to start a new job at her alma mater the college she attended when she was pulled over by a texas state trooper for allegedly failing to use her signal during a lane change i do have a clip i do i believe i've uh, made a news clip or a copy of the news clip and i'll play that for you so y'all in case y'all haven't heard um yeah This uh, woman, she was part of the Black Lives Matter movement as well. And and she was, I believe, was murdered in a jail cell in Texas.
6: An investigation is underway to find out how a local woman died in a Texas jail. Investigators there say she hanged herself in her cell, but our I-team found out friends and family don't believe it. We expect more developments today in the case. Eyewitness News reporter Diane Pathew is live with what we know this morning. Diane?
8: And Terrell, the Neighborville woman, moved to Texas to take a job with a college, her alma mater. She was going to work student outreach. That job was supposed to start yesterday. But what happened on video was leading her family, at least, to question her recent death. 28-year-old Sandy Bland just moved her things from Chicago to this apartment north of Houston, Texas. Last Friday, she was driving when a state trooper pulled her over for not signaling a lane change.
1: He pulled her out the car, forced me to, threw her and tossed her to the
4: ground, knee to the neck, and arrested You need to leave.
8: In this video of the arrest, an officer is heard telling the bystander taking the video to leave. Listen, she is taken away in custody.
4: She had been combative on the side of the road. Sheriff
8: Glenn Smith says Bland was charged with assaulting an officer and booked into the county jail. This is her mugshot. 72 hours later, Monday morning, she was found dead of what officials call, quote, self-inflicted asphyxiation.
7: I do not have any information
6: that that would make me think it was anything other than just a suicide.
5: I do suspect there was foul play, and I believe that we all are 100% in belief that she did not do harm to herself.
8: As you heard, Bland's family does not believe that she killed herself. In fact, they have hired a lawyer and hope to pursue this investigation. They're holding a press conference this afternoon to discuss their next step. Reporting live downtown, Diane Pacquiao, ABC7 Eyewitness News.
2: Now... As far as I know, there has been no autopsy. All right. So there has been no autopsy to this point that I know of. And I hope that the family will be able to raise the funds to do an independent autopsy of, of, of um, our sister. All right. Now, this is what they're saying. This Justice of the Peace Charles Carricks, has um, was called to the jail cell when it, when she was in there dead. He said that I pronounced her dead. I did see a mark somewhere around the neck. I think I saw a plastic bag hanging from something. He believes that plastic bag was used to commit suicide, he said. Now, no, no. He said, that's what I believe absolutely. Now, ask yourself some logical questions. Now, he didn't find the bag still on her face. So they're trying to suggest that she took a a plastic bag, right, and suffocated herself. That's what they're, that's what they want you to believe, right? All right. He said, oh, I think I saw a red mark. And I, then I I saw this flat plastic bag hanging from something. Well, if the plastic bag was hanging from something, it was no longer on her face. Now let's just suppose for a second that actually she put this plastic bag over her face and that she passed, she passed out. All right. Number one, I would think that the plastic bag would still be on her be on her face, would still be, you know, over her head, all right, and if it was tied to something else, okay, obviously, if she fell down after passing out, well, she would still be able to breathe, because now the plastic bag is no longer on her face, right, prohibiting her from getting oxygen, so there are just so many red flags here to begin with, and it seems to me they are engaged in propaganda, and getting out there in front, and telling people, oh, this was suicide. Well, I haven't heard anything from any kind of of medical examiner, not that I trust them because they work for the state, or any, any you know, uh, pathologist or any any medical, you know, personnel. Okay, this guy is a jailer. So what makes him qualify? So I'm not seeing that in any of these reports, okay? And, and it's still under investigation. So if it's still under investigation, why are these officials making statements they should be saying no comment okay there's an ongoing investigation all right but no what they're oh this was absolutely a suicide she killed herself she she was out there fighting with police although i didn't see her fighting with police on on the video that i saw i heard her saying why did you slam my head on the ground why did you do this why why did you do that okay and i heard the cop telling her, telling somebody who was exercising their First Amendment right to record a public servant out in public telling him he need to leave. He need to leave. Why does he need to leave, officer? He's he's within his rights. What is it that you do not want him to see? Now, again, this woman was pulled over allegedly for not making a, a, a lane change signal. A
4: traffic violation like Marlon Brown.
2: Yeah. And so then now the way that usually goes, I've been pulled over for traffic violations a number of times. The way that usually works is, you know, they come and they ask you for your ID and your registration. They ask you for your papers. And, you know, did you know that you was going 15 miles over the speed limit or whatever your violation was? okay? And then they write the ticket. So how did she end up outside of the car? Why was she outside of the car? Why did you pull her from her vehicle over a a illegal lane change? Really dude? Come on. So, uh, you know, again, I'm just speculating. I'm not saying that she did any of this, but all we're left to do is speculate absent the information. Now, let's say that Maybe she pissed them off. Maybe she cussed them out and said, you ain't nothing but a pig out here extorting money from people. I put my signal on or there was no car behind me and you were parked over there on the side of the road. I saw you up there. So if there's no car in front of me, there's no car behind me. Why do I need to put on my signal? You pig, you just out here, you know, I I think you're a racist, you you know, you MFA and all this and that because we just reported the Supreme Court last week said that it is your first amendment right to to cuss cops out although we don't recommend it but let's say you know again i'm just speculating she might have said something that he didn't like so he beat her up he snatched her out of vehicle slammed her to the ground put his knee in her neck and then handcuffed her while telling one of the witnesses you need to get out of here i mean what, what do you think is plausible in this case max there were so so many red flags that came up. And we just talked
7: about this last night on New Abolitionist Radio, how innocent people are arrested, incarcerated, and killed in the system that we're dealing with. But the one thing is, first of all, that it's on video. Her arrest is on video. And you could see him slamming her head to the ground. And she's telling him, I can't hear. I can't feel my arm. So she's already uh, been injured. injured at that point. And then he accuses her of assaulting a police officer, and that is her his reason for taking her down, down into the jailhouse. Now, how this woman is assaulting this police officer in handcuffs is totally beyond me. But again, it's a culture of police who don't give a damn about black people and prefer to escalate it to the point where they can throw you in jail and get rid of you forever. They're, they want you gone forever. So however way they can do it, they escalate the situation over and over and over again, and do it. And then they put her into this jail or prison where, you know, they have their cronies working with them because remember the sheriff was accused of racism in that town and was, or, or in another town and was fired. And uh, they put them into these jails where there is no cameras going on, no witnesses, and they can do anything they want to these innocent people. In this case, an innocent young woman who was trying to advance her life just moving there to start a new job with no reason in the world to commit suicide. But here she is dead. There are far too many red flags involved in this and an investigation should happen immediately. Uh, You suggested that the family raise money
2: for a uh, independent autopsy.
7: Well, there's another red flag right there as well because the coroners or the people who examined her said that this is nothing other than a suicide. But, we but just, wait a
2: minute. No medical examiner. This is a jailer. This is a justice. Or, yeah, this is a jailer. This isn't a medical trained professional to make that determination. He's just he just going off of, you know, he's covering up. That's what well, he's we doing. know. He could have been the one that did it. Exactly. I mean, we, we, it could be that way. He could be the
7: one that did it. And I just want to mention about the coroner. Like last night when we talked about in the innocent project, our writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad, how the coroner who was involved with the cases with him was doing 1,800 uh, uh, examinations a year when the average, uh, actually above average, is just about 200. So he was falsifying something like 1,600 cases. So we can't even trust the coroners in these instances because you never know where these white supremacists are embedded at.
2: Exact. So it's a number of red flags with this case. I believe that Miss Bland was murdered. I've been in a jail. I've been in a jail, unfortunately, too many times that I would like to admit throughout my 47 years on on this earth. Never been to prison, though, but uh, except to visit people. But I, I've been in jail, you know, for numerous, numerous things o- over the years. And number one, what is she doing with a plastic bag in jail? Mm hmm. You ain't supposed to have no, you, I ain't never been allowed to keep, man, they won't even let you keep your shoestrings. If it, You know, That's nowadays, right. they give you flip flops in an orange jumpsuit. Yep. So that you can't kill yourself. That's one of the things about being in prison,
7: that you can't even die if you want to. They don't let you kill yourself. They'll lock you in a six by nine room buck naked and watch you every 15 minutes for the next six months until you're broken until you you have no other choice but to continue living and suffering. So to think that they would allow a plastic bag in there when they take your shoelaces and they
2: take your belts away is ridiculous to begin with. Right. And and every, not I ain't going to say every jail, but, you know, where are the cameras? I know in the uh, jail, when I was in Gaston County Jail, they had doggone cameras in the individual cells. That should be a question to ask
7: what was this jail is it an independently run state jail or county jail or is it a privately operated uh jail because you know the privately operated jails are not subject to scrutiny by the government
2: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: so uh, uh, uh that sheriff's name is mm-hmm. Glenn Smith um like you mentioned Walter County Sheriff Glenn Smith was fired from his job as police chief in Hempstead, Texas after racism allegations were made against him and four of his officers uh the Houston Chronicle reported he was fired in 2008 and elected shortly after by Waller County to be his sheriff so there you go there you go racist putting racist into office and like I said we can't even come together and pull down racist uh uh statues and monuments in front of the courthouses in front of in, in front of the police departments like in Charlotte You know, I mean, those things are strategically placed to send you a message. So for those that say, you know, uh, that's a waste of time or whatnot. No, it's not a waste of time. It's people rallying around something that they can then be recruited for other actions. But if you can't, like you mentioned John Sims, who we had on as guests on New Abolitionist Radio, Um, the doing the burn and bury project, he said, if you can't remove the visible symbols that you do see you, how are you going to remove the invisible things of institutional racism that you that's not right there on the surface? And that makes total sense to me. But I want you all to hear it from this sister again. This sister was an activist. She was out there telling black people that their lives matter. All right. And she often posted about police brutality and racial injustice, which leads me to believe that she wasn't. She probably more than likely was not combative with this police officer because she is fully aware of what they will do to her, that they will kill her. Okay, so I don't think that she would be one to assault a police officer, being that she was so active in this movement. And here is a video of her speaking about racism.
8: It's time, y'all. It's time. This thing that I'm holding in my hand, this telephone, this camera, it is quite powerful. Um, Social media is powerful. We can do something with this. If we want to change, we can really, truly make it happen. You know, we sit out here and talk about, oh, we need the next so-and-so and this and that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Start in your own home. Start with you.
2: Any thoughts, Max, on on what our sister Bland had to say? Uh, I think that we should listen to that with all
7: clarity and follow what she said that it is this time now for us to do something. We can't wait for those people that we elected or suspected that would have our best interests in mind. We have the tools available. We need to start doing this. We can individually bring out Rico charges. We can go out every now and then and devote some of our time to filming police. Uh, we could do everything in our power to, to make these changes. Um, you know, One of the things that we was talking about just during this hall is about the symbolism that's going on, like the Confederate flag and what it represented. you got to remember that a lot of these symbols were put up by treasonous secessionists across the entire country, and it forces us to confront troops. People have said this will be a slippery slope. What's next? George Washington coming down? Uh, his statue, if it's necessary, yes, because we have to start looking at these symbols and these statues and these heroes that we put up all over the place who do not represent American values at all and never uh, represented American values. We've got statues and freaking killers up there and genocidal maniacs, and our children are growing up believing they were heroes. So it forces us to confront this slippery slope and see what is really happening here in America. And the other thing that I want to point out about the racism aspect of it all, this facts that will just show you clearly what's going on here. 90% of all prosecutors are white. 90% of them. 79% of them are white males. The odds of you being... uh, Involved in a, a, a court proceeding where the man, white male across from you, is a racist is very high.
2: Most certainly, Max, most certainly. But well, that's
7: what I wanted to point out. That's it.
2: Yeah, but like our sister said, it's time, y'all. It's time to do something. Get in where you fit in, okay? you got technology, you can document the crimes, we got social media, we can organize and inform the people. We we have digital radio now. I mean, we just have so many tools that if we develop them and we organize them, we could be a formidable force. We can follow in the footsteps of our ancestors. And And, and so, you know, man, I hate that this sister is gone, man, because she's a soldier. She is a soldier, man. We done lost another soldier, man. And, and you know, unfortunately, the vast majority of people, man, they just trying to survive. They ain't trying to fight. We need fighters. And we need consistent fighting. Don't be like Samuel Jackson, who came
7: out last year with his little ditty. We ain't going to stop till people love free. But we ain't free. And you stopped. We need exactly. you to keep doing this. You know what I mean? This has got to be consistent until the job is done. Don't just come out every three, four years and jump on board the latest murder
2: and seem like you're doing something when you ain't doing nothing. Right. Well, I got a couple of more minutes. uh, Tando radio show coming up here. Um, I won't have time to go over some of the past week's corrupt cop news, which is uh, brought to you by stopthedrugwar.org. I have linked to it. Check it out, but I'm going to let you hear this quick report on the uh, Cleveland police officers being disciplined for hiring the killer cop Timothy Lohman.
9: Cleveland Police Supervisors Lieutenant Gail Bindle and Sergeant Edwin Santiago were both found guilty last week of an administrative charge of failing to adequately supervise and review an applicant's background investigation. Bindle received a two-day suspension and Santiago was issued a written reprimand. Cleveland Police officials have said detectives did not review Timothy Lohman's Independence Police Department personnel file before hiring him. His independence file showed he became weepy during a state range qualification course and his handgun performance was dismal. Police have said Lohman shot 12 year old Tamir Rice November 22nd in the playground area of Cadell Recreation Center. Lohman had said he ordered Rice to show his hands, but instead Rice reached for his waistband. He was shot. Rice had an airsoft pistol that police say looked like a real gun. Tamir's mother and her attorneys want charges filed against Loman and his partner. The case is being investigated by the county prosecutor. Police union president Steve Loomis says the situation is tragic, but he believes his officers did not break any laws.
2: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and, and see, some of these reports, man, they leave out vital information. You know, she didn't mention that. He was gunned down within 20 sec. I mean, two seconds and less than two seconds. And that he never they never communicated to that boy. They just rolled up on him and gunned him down. They never said, show us your hands or put your hands up or anything of that nature. They rolled in like, you know, white supremacists and gunned down this child. So as you just heard. They did not even check his background to find out that he was crying. Come on, that's what weepy means. Oh, he was crying on the gun range? What the hell? This guy was mentally unstable, is mentally unstable. Shouldn't even been a cop. That's why he got fired. But, you know, hell, come on, man. Come on up to Cleveland, and, and you can find some action here, so... Anyway, man, I'm just so sick of these people, man. I'm sick of them. It's systemic racism, brutality, terrorism, oppressions, enslavement. And it's got to come to an end. And the only way it's going to come to an end is, like Malcolm X said, if we put a stop to it. Don't count on the U.S. government. Don't count on the state government. Don't count on the federal courts, the state courts. Nobody is going to come to an end if we bring it to an end. And with that said, we are going to close out the show. I want to thank you, Max, for joining us today and thank the callers for calling in and sharing their views with us. Stay tuned for Tando Radio Show.